We have to go back! Hello everyone and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky and today you are in for a treat or should I say a Scooby snack, a longtime friend of the show and more or less the initiator of the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast in case you didn't know. Uh, this podcast exists largely due to a conversation I had with this guy uh, about the idea of, hey, you should do a, a podcast about... Uh, you know, old movies and see how they hold up over time. And the rest is Laserdisc, to say that it's history. So, uh, Scott Nicewander, uh, you might know him from NerdSync. You also might know him from our review of Scooby-Doo, the movie, uh, decided to do a uh, somewhat cruel challenge to himself in watching Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed for the entire month of October. And he asked me to be a guest on his debut episode. So I wanted to give you guys a chance to listen to that and then head on over to his podcast and listen to his slow descent into madness. Uh, you can find the podcast either in the show notes or simply go to the website scoobypodcast.com. It's a, it's a real fun podcast. And if you've ever wondered what happens when you watch Scooby-Doo 2 colon Monsters Unleashed multiple times, well, this is a great case study for you. But without further ado... This is tied for the most terrifying day of my life! I was lost every other freaking day of my life! <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to day one of, I I don't have a name for this quite yet that I finalized, but I think I'm going to go with like month of monsters or something like that. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that uh, in or bit, or maybe I already did if I made like a zero. It doesn't matter. <laughs> We're talking about Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, and I'm joined by my good friend, Ricky. How's it going? It's going well, Scott. Thanks for having me be a part of this. Yes, of course. Uh, I wanted to have you on um, really early on. I, I think you're the first episode. Well, I introduced you as the first episode, so no going back now. <laughs> uh, I wanted to have you on early because, number one, I feel like you would be the first, you would be the best person to, like, you know, really cheer with me in the beginning because if you came on in like the last parts of the month i would i would be so miserable <laughs> and you uh, and like the juxtaposition of you being like oh this was fun and me being like yeah if you haven't seen it 30 times <laughs> like i don't know so i'm glad you're here and you also have a podcast of your own where you talk about uh retro movies Yes. What's that called? It is called the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast, uh, where we look at movies of yesteryear and see how they hold up over time. Usually we try to tie it in with a theatrical release and, you know, stretch our way into justifying <laughs> reviewing another <laughs> old movie that has even the smallest of tie-ins. I love it. It's such a fun podcast. I've been on it, so I'm very biased. I believe we talked about the first Scooby-Doo movie last we year, sure right? We sure did. Well, hey, I don't, I'm just going to throw this out here. 
But if you guys want to review the second one this year, I might know someone who will have it fresh on their mind for the entirety of this month. Great. Let me Uh, know their name when you find them. Yeah, they're hard to get a hold of. I think they're doing their own <laughs> podcast on the subject. But uh, yes, so for, I have a first question is, have you seen this movie before? I have. But I, okay. I, so I just like minutes before we started recording, finished it. And I completely forgot like half the movie. <laughs> but man, oh man, do I have thoughts and opinions about it. Yes. So excited to talk about it. Okay. So I have so many thoughts. Uh, I don't know where I was. I have so many mental notes that I might, you know, I I've, I've, I obviously want to save some stuff for future episodes and I want to go through it all. But I feel like I want to hear where your thoughts are at so I can kind of comment on where your headspace is. Absolutely. So um, I... I love Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo was one of my earliest fandoms, if I were to call it that. I had like I had a Scooby-Doo calendar like in middle school and I remember I had my first kiss and I wrote it down on my Scooby-Doo calendar. That's and amazing. Folded it up and saved it in a little memory, a Pokemon memory box because, you know, it was the 2000s. Um <laughs> And I just, I was obsessed with Scooby-Doo. I drew Scooby-Doo all the time, and it was just one of my favorite things. So watching this movie gave me just every bit of wonderful nostalgia. And I, when I first watched Scooby-Doo as a kid, I didn't realize that Scooby-Doo had been, like, canceled. Like, Cartoon Network would be like, in a new episode of Scooby-Doo! I'm like, oh, great! There's a new episode of Scooby-Doo, even though there hasn't been one in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the history of the cartoons are always so interesting to me, which is why I love this movie a lot. I, I We talked before on, on your podcast um, about how I think that this movie is better than the original than the, than the first live action. And I think it should have been the first movie that they did because it pays a lot of tribute to those old cartoons. It reuses villains. It establishes mystery Inc as a force that's been in the world for a long time. I mean, I guess the first movie also did that, but I think this one did it better. Oh yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it had just a lot of fantastic scooby-doo tropes in it like a person in a mask in a mask sort of a thing (laughs) like come on it's perfect yes no i i love that i the whole time i was trying not to hear you uh pop up in a little visual bubble above me saying this is why this is the better movie because you've said that before about like how this movie should have been the first movie and then the sec the first movie should have been the second movie mm-hmm. because this does all the bit of world building because watching this movie i realized i we had never actually seen mystery incorporated headquarters we've never seen it before that's right and this is the first time and they're just very casual about it i'm like wait is is this it is is this mystery inc (laughs) yeah and like they they even go through in like you know they establish the old days there's a part where they go to their old hideout their old hangout um which i think I, i wish that was established a little bit better like if that was even just like an image or a picture or something in the museum in the beginning of the movie to be like this is a thing that exists so when it pops up later you know 
don't act like it just came out of nowhere because we definitely established it. Uh, I, I overall like that. That was the bit one of the biggest problems I had. I don't want to dive into problems. We're like six minutes into the first episode of this month long thing, and I'm already <laughs> like, here are the problems. But like, I think the movie could have done a slightly better job establishing uh, certain things. The cotton candy ghost later on in the movie just appeared out of nowhere with no references that I could see uh, throughout. I mean, maybe I missed it. I have 30 more days to go, so we'll see if I can catch something. Scott, you call yourself a Scooby-Doo fan, and you don't remember the cotton candy ghost? How dare you? Wait, like... How how dare you? But was it established earlier in the movie? Oh, well, absolutely not. No. Okay, cool. That's, that's my complaint. All right. But holy cow, whoever was the like the costume designer for the ghosts was incredible like the the minor 49er and uh, captain cutler and it's just the black knight all of those super awesome like costumes it was i loved it oh man like i i forget the like the main monster who i think of who was like completely a puppet like i whoever designed that just needs a giant cotton candy made in their likeness and yeah good and even like the admittedly a lot of the cgi doesn't hold up um but the one monster that i think does is the ten thousand volt ghost the way that it pops out of like the strands of lightning like opening up portals of like electricity is genuinely terrifying oh yeah yeah, uh, and I want to say, and, and I'm going to just declare this with zero research. Um, I want to say the voice of that monster was like the same voice actor from Tales of the Crypt because it sounded just like it, and I felt just as uncomfortable. Oh wow, that's yeah. We'll have to research that. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm going to find out a ton of awesome behind the scenes info on this. Uh, on this one, I know I have a, a future guest lined up who's very specifically wants to dive into the career choices of Sarah Michelle Geller. So that'll <laughs> be really fun. Um, but yeah, I just I love this. I, I love this movie. I still think it's better than the first one. I think it mixes real monsters and a person behind a mask really well Uh, to briefly kind of talk about to any new listeners like the reason why i think this is a better first movie than the first movie is it's just because like the second movie is they disband right they break up but that doesn't mean much if we haven't seen what they do i think the audience is, is supposed to go into the movie understanding who scooby doo is who mystery inc is and then that's the context. But right. if you're just like a new movie goer, like you see these people and they don't even seem like friends and then they split up and it's supposed to be this big emotional thing, but it's not really, um, yeah. in my opinion. Whereas this movie immediately, it opens with them at a museum for all of their accomplishments. It, it tells you more about the world that they live in, how long they've been doing this, uh, that they are a kind of a big deal. They're kind of celebrities um, in their own right. Uh, and it even flashes back to the early days when they were growing up so that, you know, they have a lot of history and it also with the, when the first movie establishes that monsters can be real, it kind of makes the second movie 
it doesn't hit as hard when you find out that also the monsters are real right. because like i think both wanted to play it as a twist like it's always just a man in a mask but this time the monsters are real yeah and then like cut to the second movie and it's like you remember how the monsters are real mm-hmm. well this time they're, re- they're they're also real <laughs> they're really real you remember that tv movie you saw of scooby-doo on zombie island where the monsters were real Mm-hmm. Boy, do I have a twist for you for the third time. <laughs> and like, uh, and, and another, another thing is Scrappy, and I'm sure we'll, I might dedicate like a whole episode to, to just breaking this. But like Scrappy is so such a problematic character in the whole lore of Scooby-Doo. But I think when, you, when you're doing a very first movie to like kind of establish a franchise, you already have five main characters to introduce And then you're also saying, but also this other one who's a super important character. Like, usually the sequel is when you drag somebody else from the lore in. Um, You know, the the second movie, Monsters Unleashed, just kind of let you, you know, figure out. There there was no other, like, side character. I mean, there were obviously uh, the previous ghosts and everything like that. But I feel like Scrappy is such a huge, important character. It felt weird to introduce him in the first installment when we haven't even gotten to know the rest of the cast that well. Like if you set up, if you reverse these movies, but you established Scrappy in Monsters Unleashed um, before getting into the other one, uh, then it would kind of be like a really cool twist. Like, oh, we already knew that he existed and he was behind this one the whole time. Yep. That would have been neat. Yeah, I, I, and I just do want to point out that you, you, you already established how in your head you qualify the first movie as the second one because you started your whole conversation with, yeah, so in the second movie, I uh, just wanted you. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Good. Cool. Um, no, cause I, I totally agree. Cause a thing that Scooby Doo. Two colon Monsters Unleashed does mm-hmm. a really good job of is world building. Whereas, um, like, if you're going to watch Scooby-Doo, the cartoon, which, like, in the early, like, 90s, early 2000s, like, sc- people were making so much money on Scooby-Doo merchandise. Like, they, because I, I know, because I bought a ton of it. Um, <laughs> and it was still a property that people were familiar with. So, Monsters Unleashed does a good job of saying, like, hey, this is a continuation of that story. Like, hey... In modern times, they're like, hey, gang, we're really successful. And we did all of these other things. I feel like the leap from TV to movie is easier as opposed to uh, the first movie uh, where it is just like, oh, we're in the middle of another mystery and we don't like each other. (laughs) It's like, oh, but my friends, my the gang. Now, why am I sad in this movie? Exactly. And I feel like, yeah, because, I mean, again, you're right. The the, Monsters Unleashed, the rightful first movie of this franchise, Mm -hmm. did such a good job uh, of world building immediately. Like, it was such a clever idea to open on, like, a museum to their accomplishments and and walk you back through, um, you know, everything that they've done and, and... Ah, it's so good. And one, I, I want to point out one other thing. I'm talking about like, you know, 
tributes to other characters. Like the fact that they pulled in not only the villains, uh, like the monsters from the cartoon, um, but also they uh, like just tried to further their stories by taking like, um, uh, what's his name? Jeremiah Wickles, mm-hmm. who played the black, who was the black Nikos. Like they gave him an additional arc to kind of show how far uh, that he's come. Um, and I thought that was such a neat idea. And again, props to the costume designer because the main villain, the, the man in the mat, did they ever give him a name? The, the man in the ma- oh yeah uh no because he was in the beginning of the first one um the what no no you're right no i was thinking of the um uh, not uh i know who you're talking about i was thinking of like the clownish looking monster oh, the lunar ghost from the first one yes I think. but like you know yeah like the main villain of this movie did they give that character a name with the silver face i do not think so i don't think so either i think they just always referred to him slash hurts slash him spoilers yeah um as the man in the mask or, or something yeah I yeah I, i'm looking it up it is evil mask figure they they don't even give him a cool <laughs> name nope it is evil masked figure voiced by scott mcneil well that is a huge oversight in my opinion <laughs> unbelievable but anyway (laughs) props to the costume designer who i guess they spent so much money on they couldn't get a a name person we blew our budget on all the costume designs and on the tasmanian devil cameo yeah oh that's right i want to get back to that scene because i want to talk about that with you but uh, to finish my thought like props to that costume designer because number one i loved that shiny silver mask uh i thought it was really cool but upon this more recent viewing because i haven't seen this movie since i was a kid upon this more recent viewing i noticed that like the design it had these like kind of like black strands kind of sticking up in the back mm-hmm. and in a way, it made it look like a, a balding man with like the hair on the sides and the back that stand up, and it like is very visually oh. similar to old man Wickles. Yeah, which would only add to the idea that the real villain of the movie, who was uh, Jacobo, or was that it? <laughs> I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I kept saying Jacoby, but I, that's, I'm pretty sure it's Jacobo. Um, I, I promise I'll get all of these names right by the end of by the October. End of the month, you'll know you'll be on a first name basis with all these people. That's the fun journey that you're gonna take with me. But uh, no, it by the like it only that little small visual detail added to the idea that those two hated each other and like Jacobo wanted to make it seem like wanted to frame because like a big part of it is he went into wickles uh, mansion and put the book in and like sent the black knight ghost in to frame him and like even just the visual design of the costume lets you see that like yes he's really trying to paint the picture that it's definitely wickles and not him and i thought that was a really interesting touch oh yeah uh, by the costume designer but yes yeah the co- let's talk about oh yeah oh yeah just a little cherry to the wonderful dessert of information you just gave about the costume design that I really appreciated from this movie is how 
they where they could they i mean this movie came out in like 2004 uh is the time when people were just like i will just cg it i appreciate where they just made live action like puppets of characters that didn't have to be uh computer generated like i i always appreciate when things like that are done uh so good on you yes uh a hundred percent obviously there were a monsters that they needed to do like the 10,000 volt ghost and the, uh, the, the tar monster man. Again, I'm learning the names people. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- yeah, like all the other ones that were just people in costumes and, and in puppetry was yeah, oh, yeah, super cool. I love it. I love that. And even like from a, from someone like me, I, I really love visual effects. I wanted to, I went to college to try and, and, you know, work on visual effects stuff. I love when people can mix in practical effects and not overly rely on uh, CGI. And this was certainly a period of, of movie making where they knew they, you know, obviously they were super heavily relying on CGI for a lot of the <laughs> characters of the movie. Right. But a lot of the effects um, were like practically done. Things like, um, property damage and explosions and like even just i it's such a weird little thing but when they knock um captain cutler back into the pond or lake or whatever mm-hmm. uh, it's like a real splash and I, I just remember thinking like if they did it today they would just do a cgi splash and like no one would notice but a couple people like me would notice but like the fact that they just they actually went out to that lake and just dropped something heavy in it and made a big splash was like thank you yes <laughs> it's such a little detail but thank you yeah yeah, I, yeah. they did a similar thing where uh Scooby's wig splashed into some kind of very sticky beverage and then it splashed onto said like yeah. street tough and like the actual things like splashed on him, I'm like, oh okay, yeah. They 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 mix a lot of that of the practical. I mean, heck, even <laughs> we'll go back to the, the perfect transition back to the scene when Shaggy got really buff. It was like prosthetics. It wasn't like CGI gross looking Shaggy. Although that scene did have horrible facial tracking w- when what? he turned into a woman. What do you I think. mean? No, it was seamless and flawless and perfect, but also there were some uh, flaws and imperfections. Not since Spider-Man 1 have I ever seen such a flawless transition into CGI land. I I disagree. <laughs> it was that scene, though. I think I had a ton of fun with it, um, especially super smart Scooby oh. was... Well, really funny i loved how super smart scooby hated being super smart he's like yes oh well this is terrible i need to create an invention he's like, oh, i'm going to make a concoction that will turn us back because oh uh this is terrible i miss my hubris uh i just existence is pain <laughs> yeah, exactly that's what it felt like like it that bit was such a really interesting self-contained bit that like made sense in the moment of like you know, 
it happened and then like other stuff happened and then by coincidence he became smart and so that they were able to undo it because like they could have written in any other way where like just by pure coincidence they like figured out like or you know they drank something else and they went back to normal but the fact that throughout that like the arc of that small scene was scooby became smart number one and also number two loathed it he (laughs) wanted to go back to being carefree um and that was able to fix it and put a little bow on that whole exchange, which was just a ton of fun. And then somehow Shaggy grew sleeves back when he changed back to normal. But that's fine. That's how it works. That's how advanced of a scientist Mark Scooby can be. Wow. That's He can incredible. create matter. He is the real Dr. Manhattan. Like, <laughs> Fight me. Oh, no. We're getting into theory territory. Oh, man. But I just I want to talk to you a little bit about the humor of the movie, because I I mentioned some of this stuff when we talked about the first movie, which is that Scooby-Doo has never really been about fart comedy. But these movies really like to double down on that. Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) The yeah, I, I noticed that in the first movie. But then this movie, they said, hey, why not bring more uh, fart humor? Because I, the idea behind it, I get it's just like kids love nothing more than flatulence. Let's throw a bunch of it. Like the idea behind it, sure, but like it, it doesn't need to be added to to Scooby Doo. It doesn't. Like they they. It's like. When they were writing the first movie, or like when they were pitching the second movie, let's say, they were just like, all right, gang. <laughs> so we we went in with Scooby-Doo the movie, and we cranked the farts up. We came at an 11 mm-hmm. right then, mm-hmm. all right? We had a whole fart competition between Shaggy and Scooby, all right? So now we've we've written ourselves into a corner here, because we, we hit that so hard and so prevalent that we can't help but just dial it into a 15 we have to make yep. everyone have some sort of like velma had yeah. that whole thing with her with her outfit that was like squeaking around like they did it once and it was like okay that's funny and then it kept going yeah. and i'm like okay come on guys not everyone needs to, to do farts yeah yeah and it's uh because like, if you take it out it's not taking away from the movie it's not like one of those things was like hmm, i don't know if we if we if we remove the thoughts do we really have the soul of the movie i don't because know it, it, feels, yes. it feels hollow we need a thought because there are and i want to go back like i feel like i'm already criticizing this movie too much all right i love this movie it's the reason i'm doing this i want to praise it for all the actual good comedy that's in this movie. There are so many parts that I genuinely laughed out loud. Oh, yeah. Because it was so well written. And, like, the visual comedy was great in a few areas, too. My, I think my favorite joke that stands out to me is when they go to the mansion and they're trapped and they realize that other people have also been trapped to like go and and knock on his doorbell or you know and the first is a girl scout Mm he's like would you want to buy some (laughs) cookies and then the next are presumably mormons or some religious people and they're like have you heard the good news and scooby's like yeah there's cookies (laughs) 
Yes, that was one of my all-time favorite scenes. And then, amazing. And then <laughs> cut two. It's like, oh, thanks for the cookies. And they release them. And like that also was followed by a really great scene with Daphne, who's just like, oh yeah, just uh some foundation and then a pour strip and yes. then this at the other. I'm like, this is I just I I really appreciate when movies can do great scenes like that. Uh just with women as opposed to making them just damsels in distress. Even even though like Daphne's whole arc in the first movie is just like, I'm a woman and I can do anything else that anyone else can't. Like it's just like yeah. too uh like there's like I there's nothing wrong with that, but when uh you are bringing like if that's like her only thing, you're mm-hmm. kind of making it seem like oh yeah isn't she so great by not being helpless i was just like right. i but i don't anyway i'll like, talk I, about I, that i totally i totally understand what you're saying like i loved i remember in the theater watching this movie i loved that bit where she was able to macgyver the whole gang out of the trap because later on in the movie she's she's wondering like what her place on the team is uh, and like to me, she already proved it. Like she's the crafty one. She's she's the one that, and not even just that. She like fought straight on, fought the Black Knight ghost. Yeah, in like armed combat, and like, and then yeah, <laughs> you know, Velma's the smart one, and they say Fred's the leader. But like, is he? Does he lead? <laughs> does yeah? Does he more so? Is he? I think he's more of the gang's mascot than Scooby is. You know, the mascot with an ascot. Oh. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I w- but I wish I was that clever to think of that. Well done. <laughs> no, I, I, my favorite incarnation of Fred is the one where he's obsessed with traps. And this movie had a very clear absence of traps. Even the way that they caught the final. I will give credit to the first movie. Um, here where at least they had a plan right. to try and capture or set everyone free. Even if it went all haywire, that's classic Scooby-Doo. It's supposed to do that. Right. But they set up a plan anyway, and that was Fred's whole thing of like, you do this, we'll do this, blah, blah, blah. That's his kind of role on the team. This movie didn't really do that. Like, the person who should have been asking... Because Daphne was like, what's my place? What do I do? The person who should have been asking that is... Fred, (laughs) what did he do? All he did was get everyone in trouble by like talking to the press, even though multiple times Daphne was like, don't do that. She Daphne had the biggest role on the team in multiple different facets. She was even helping out Velma uh, with her personal life. Like also, isn't it canon that Velma, not Velma, isn't it canon that Daphne is like the sole financial provider and investor of mystery Inc. Isn't it like her van? I think that depends on the continuity. Um, but there certainly are versions where yes, it's, it's like her family's van and they painted it or like, yeah, she's super duper rich and kind of funds everything. Um, which is like a weird mental leap for me to just point out that there were also no Scooby snacks in this movie. I'm just like, cause I just remember a pup named Scooby-Doo. She was always the one who was like, would you do it for a Scooby snack? And they had to make room for all those totally vegetarian KFC uh, references. (laughs) Like, 
can't we go to like why can't we ever run to a KFC? I'm like, that's right. Wait, that what? was totally ADR'd in 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 post because like you never saw him say that, and it felt so choppy that edit too. Yeah, well, and, I, and Scooby yeah. was uh, he showed up to the premiere drinking a beverage from KFC. I didn't even realize that. Oh yeah! Wow. It, I think there had to have been like a, a some kind of Scooby Doo KFC tie-in. There had to have been. Yeah. That. Well, hold on. Did did you watch the post credit scene? Oh, of this movie, Scott Word. I'm glad you asked. I am so confused. Can you shed a little bit of light on that for oh, me? Oh, I can or shed you... a ton of bit of light. Okay, so, please do. Game... Explain. Exp- yeah, explain what happened for everyone who who may not have seen so, it. So, um, if you don't watch till the end of uh credits of the Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed, you are missing out on a little teaser or a little code for the Game Boy Advance game. There is a top-down Scooby-Doo Game Boy Advance game where you can get this code and you can only get the code by staying until the end of the movie uh, that unlocks something. I forget what it was, but I had that game. And I want to say I used that code. But what did the code do? Well, hold on. What was the very super secret code that no one could possibly predict? It's like Scooby. It was it was SD2 is what it was. Is that, that's what it showed me on the Netflix. Yep. It was just those three. Yep. SD2. Who could have thunk it? I didn't dare to crack that code. I was just like, oh, well, I have to do what the the, the game is telling me to do. And that is to go through and watch the whole entire movie. Mm-hmm. Credits and all. Credits and all. Oh, man. That's what a weird post credit scene. Like, that's just so bizarre that they would just be like, and also, here's a code for game. Bye. <laughs> yeah, because like they, I, so a lot of things, a lot of tie-ins with different movies, especially when they spend a ton of money on it to get funding, uh, they'll do different game tie-ins because back before people just gave up on movie video games, there were so many of them. And mm-hmm. especially with, the Game Boy, uh, gosh, what, there's another movie that I remember that had, like, or, for example, Danny Phantom had a video, like a Game Boy Advance game, and I played it. And it wasn't, I mean, it was fun because it was Danny Phantom, um, but, like, it wasn't particularly good. Um, and it was pretty slow for, you know, that kind of game. But, like, TV shows or movies, they had different game tie-ins and i remember the scooby-doo monsters unleashed one they wanted you to solve a mystery but it was just so slow it was so incredible uh, so incredibly slow and so you just had to keep on like walking into this kind of 3d looking scooby and the gang but it was super pixelated and uh of course it was just i mean you just keep walking and going into rooms and looking for stuff oh it's a scooby-doo walking simulator (laughs) 
Heck yeah. Why didn't you say that earlier? <laughs> oh, I, I, I should also add just uh, completely unrelated. Uh, I, I went to the IMDb page. Um, Scott, if you were to have a tagline for uh, Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed, what would your tag be for the movie? Oh, man. Hold on. I saw posters and I'm wondering, I'm trying to wrap my mind if I can remember what it is. Yeah, there are several. Um, oh, God. It's. They play on the word like fright, like something like like the the hero is fright here or something. I don't I can't remember. Oh, man, I wish that was it. I really do. No, it's do the fright thing. That's right. With do, with D-O-O, right? Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> Look, I'm not any better. I'm tentatively calling this podcast, the Month of Monsters, a Scooby-Doo podcast with a little paw print. You should see oh. how he's spelling paw. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Uh, the other one was... Got monsters? Oh, that's the full one. Okay. <laughs> full stop. Got monsters. You know, like the Got Milk yeah, but... campaign. You know, oh. things that are synonymous with Scooby-Doo. Of course. I understand that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got monsters. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, no, but the uh, I, I think one of my favorite things about this movie uh, and how it ties into the show really well is that the whole arc for Scooby and Shaggy is them having this existential crisis of like, mm-hmm. we always mess things up. And Shaggy even just says, we always mess things up. I never realized that until now. I'm just like, mm-hmm. yes, this is so great because it really does set it up because if you love watching like the cartoon of scooby-doo and its various iterations it's you you get to solve a mystery and scooby and shaggy are the lovable goofs who like inspector gadget their way into solving the mystery or by catching the guy like velma and freddie always kind of help with the whole why done it uh but scooby and shaggy kind of just stumble into you know unmasking or at least capturing said ghost and the yes. i loved how their whole arc was like hey we're gonna be heroes we're gonna not mess things up and i just love how that was like that was their plot line the whole time like scooby just doesn't know what clues are <laughs> this whole thing yeah. of like oh, oh i love it these are, these are just things you like <laughs> it's a clue and like and that's another reason why that whole potion changing scene is so good because it's a self-contained bit that shows them kind of messing around. And by the end of it, they explode a door open that leads them further down the path of, of solving the mystery. Like they're screwing up until like they keep making progress yep. and it's just, uh, that's such a good bit. And man, I, I want to say we, we like, we talked a little bit about like the the humor and I, I want to talk about like just a couple other things that I that I loved were not just the written jokes, but like a lot of the physical comedy was like actually really good for Scooby-Doo. Yes. Um, like m- two of my favorite parts were at the end where, uh, well, first of all, Scooby is like s- surfing 
on the tar monster thing with the fire extinguisher. And that is just objectively super fun. I love it. And, but then there's a bit near the end of that sequence where he's trying to catch the, the control disc thingy. Um, and he's in slow motion and the, the pterodactyl ghost is in regular speed. And that is such a classic kind of, perfectly fit for scooby-doo cartoon gimmick the fact that like they live in a world that adheres to cartoon physics yep. and it's perfect and that is just whoever's choice that was so good more of that less of the farts please yeah well i was watching this with my wife and she was just pointing out like when they fell down the trap door she she's like oh well they're dead like at least one person just died i was like yeah like if they were abiding by like our physics, yes, someone would like someone would yeah. be dead. But like it is this one even more so than the first Scooby Doo movie is a live action cartoon. Like so yeah. much so. Like even just like one of my favorite things was how they uh when the in the third act when the gang has broken up and Velma has just given Shaggy and Scooby their pep talk. They see that the two little twin eyeball skeletons are like their shadows are being cast. And then they in unison walk backwards. I'm just like, yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Give me more of this. Just the whole like cartoon in real life and just how it looks so like it was almost like vaudevillian if I yes. if I were to just like the physical comedy is so great and funny on its own that you almost don't need, you know, a lot of the other farts because it's just there's so much that you can do visually and that they had to do visually in the original yeah. cartoon. And and like even that scene where they all fall down after ringing the doorbell, they all fall at different times, even though the trap door opens underneath them, you know, all together. And so that kind of is your hint as the audience that like, Oh, physics are more cartoony in this movie. And even, um, yeah, like the idea that there are these super cartoony moments that I loved more in this movie than I think in the, in the first one, like when Shaggy and Scooby are, um, kind of stalking or, you know, spying on old man Wickles mm-hmm. um, and they're in the bushes and it's just a classic cartoon thing where it's like they're, they are bushes and they're walking by and they've got like the, you know, tin cans of string yep. and everything like that. It's, it's so good. But then of course that's accented by more like modern humor where like, Scooby yells and screams and then like the old man turns around and he's like dang bushes yelling at me again. <laughs> it's just so so good. Yeah, no they they really just pay and the the thing I love about this movie as far as just sequels go is that it wasn't directly tying it to the first one. You can watch this movie independent of ever seeing the first Scooby Doo movie. Yep. And have the best time. It's so good. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like for a sequel to a franchise, they number one, the first movie didn't even really establish a franchise, which is, I would say, totally different from how it would work today. Um, But yeah, this didn't make any callbacks to like they never mentioned Scrappy. They never mentioned like, yeah, we got the, you know, gang back together after the spooky island or, or whatever. Like and even again, 
they're still surprised by the idea of real monsters, even though they had just come from what was apparently their first uh, mission involving real monsters. So it's almost as if that never happened, uh, and I'm happy with that. Yeah. Man. No, and um, one thing I also just love is how the, um, like, all of the... The the mon- only the monsters that appear, with the exception of like the cotton candy ghost, and I think the little three D like. So when you saw this movie, was it released in three D? I was wondering that because of the little skeleton mm-hmm. guys who would like who like threw their head directly at the camera or whatever. Yes, I'm just like yes. I was like I was very curious about that because it seems like when I saw that again, I was like, this must have been in three D, right? Yep. But I have no idea. Yeah. Well, the thing that I loved is how um, they all the monsters were just from the original Scooby-Doo, like with mm-hmm. the exception of like a couple of joke monsters, basically, like they they got all the, like the original monsters and like what more like because I feel like that's that's just the way to go. Like they the, yeah. especially if you're going to establish that like, hey, this this movie exists in a plane of existence where um, the other like I, I'm glad that this movie was a movie as opposed to like a cartoon special, I guess, because yeah. the way that they did it and the way that they kind of cross collaborated with showing you um, all the different monsters and just all the different ways that they interacted um and seeing the people in live action, I just think it's it's such a good tribute to Scooby-Doo and what Scooby-Doo was. The difference between this one and the first movie is that I think that they give you a better mystery to solve. Yes. Than the first movie. The first movie is just like, oh, well, let's see how grown up the gang is with all of their adult humor jokes. As opposed to this one being like, all right, gang, we're solving a mystery. Who stole mm-hmm. All the costumes, which fun fact, uh, all the costumes in the museum were actually functional. Uh, so all those costumes could have been warm. <gasps> Even the 10,000 volt ghost? Oh, sorry. That thing well, the, the, the one that was shown in the physical museum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, because I was going to say the physical one looked awesome. Like it it was like this weird, like plasticky mm-hmm. kind of plexiglass thing with all these lights in it. And yeah, I mean, all of them looked super good. And again, I even loved the flashbacks to the, uh, pterodactyl ghost where it's like, it's just like a guy in like, like hockey goalie armor or whatever. Oh. Yeah. You know, I play, you know, I know the sports mm-hmm. when I call it, when I call it armor, hockey um, goalie armor, <laughs> hockey goalie armor, you know, as you do. Um, and, uh, but yeah, like even seeing how like practically that was done and yeah, I, so cool. And even like it had the, the whole aesthetic of the movie had this really perfectly Scooby-Doo, like retro futurism kind of vibe where like it's weirdly like 60s-ish, yep. but also they have super advanced technology that we don't have today. And that's, I mean... That's perfect Scooby aesthetic right there. Oh, yeah. And the, I mean, with that, that you reminded me, I had like a little piece of headcanon around that. Um, being that if that was a terror, like if that flashback was, you know, accurate and like that was his costume. Um, my theory is that Scooby-Doo actually takes place like earlier 
in um, time because it reminded me of how, uh, you know, one of the first films ever made was the, you know, the train mm-hmm. where people saw a train. Uh, I, I might be miss, you know, embarrassing myself with my film degree uh, and misremembering the title of the movie, but it's where a train, a locomotive is being shown like just passing and people in the movie theater freaked out because they thought it was actually coming towards them because they had just never seen and experienced something like that. Um, And that was pretty early on in film times and so mm-hmm. it made me think about how scooby-doo mysteries if that was his costume and people have just never seen anyone in costume before uh, yeah. that it just might take place at an earlier time like not necessarily the uh 60s or 70s um but maybe like the 40s oh man but you know that's yeah that. no that's all. I mean, because the Scooby Doo universe has always been really interesting to me. Because Mystery Incorporated had this really interesting thing, where like just out of the blue in one episode, they discovered World War Two robots, and like just that phrase alone was like, "Hold on, hold on, tell me that again, but slower." Oh my gosh! And they became the World War Two robots became a huge part of of the plot from that point forward because they were like you know they were like a robotic villain that you could destroy and do whatever. But like, just the idea that so casually, like it wasn't like whoa a secretive. I didn't know they were working on robot robotics at that time. It was like oh wow, it's an old World War Two robot. And I'm like, where <laughs> did your past and our past? diverge into wildly different directions because I am so curious. Oh man. And that's why like the fashion is of like, you know, the 60s, 70s era, but the technology is like way more advanced. Something must've happened in the, in the past lore of Scooby-Doo that, you know, and again, that also explains why all the villains have super crazy advanced technology as well. Most of the time, I think the pterodactyl ghost was was pretty much just like guy strapped some wings on, yeah. put some hockey goalie armor on, and you know, had a fun time. But yeah, <sighs> oh, yeah, no, this is just a good time. Like I, it just, it's just, I think I'm gonna say it. It's one of, if not the best. Uh, tributes to Scooby-Doo. Uh, I feel like the first movie was just a lot more mean-spirited. It's e- even though that they were, yeah, uh, like poking fun at Scrappy. Like I loved Scrappy growing up. I was just like Scrappy. Do- no, he thinks his uncle is the coolest, bravest person, even though he's not. I <laughs> I love this. Why Why are you guys being mean to Scrappy? Yeah. But like, and I mean, I know that Scrappy is, you know, can be the worst, but. I just think that the first one was more like, yeah, let's show these people what we really think about Scooby-Doo. Whereas this one was like, hey, you guys remember Scooby-Doo? Let's see what that would be like in live action. Like they just played with the conventions of Scooby-Doo. Like they they had everything short of the Scooby-Doo theme music, even though one of them, Mm -hmm. one of the scenes did kind of sound like the Scooby-Doo-Doo. Scooby-Dee. I'll have to re-listen Yeah, it kind of had like something that was similar-ish to that. Uh, like r- right after they decided to, you know, make their pact of being heroes. Um, but besides that and like the the uh, the play with doors, like that's the only thing that was missing from it being like a perfect Scooby-Doo tribute. Because, I mean, 
it scooby-doo is so fun and i ugh. yeah i i cannot believe that they were this movie had a bit where they were in a giant haunted mansion and they didn't do the door gag. Yeah, miss that is crazy to me. I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it. But like that was a perfect setup, and they were just like, "Nah." I don't even think they did it in the first one. No, I don't. And think that's so. like ninety percent Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, there was another like kind of somewhat meta uh, moment, but it was so subtle that I, I only just caught it this this time around, which is like. When they were building, they were like modifying the little control disc thing. And Shaggy was like, they're in there having a montage without a scoob. And I'm like, perfect. Flawless. Love it. Yes. It's so good. But I, I want to, I mean, back to what you were saying earlier. Like this, this movie is just genuinely a better mystery to solve. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a person in a mask and there are twists and turns. There are red herrings. You think, like, really, kind of like halfway through the movie, they're like, oh, it's the reporter lady. Oh, I guess it's not. That's weird. And then it must be Patrick, who I felt like Patrick was there specifically to be a red herring, but he didn't, his motivations really didn't get fleshed out that much as a character. He was just there to throw you off, but without any explanation as to why he was doing this. Because those weird he had things. red hair. And he's said to be the red herring. You should see how I'm spelling red hair. Oh, I get it. We'll have it written in the show. Great. Perfect. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like I felt like I have a theory. You were mentioned a theory. I have, I have a small theory that Patrick, I, my original theory was that Patrick was related to Jacobo, the pterodactyl ghost. Um, Cause they even look kind of similar. Those actors, um, and I thought that would have been really interesting and it would have made sense for why he would like curate a museum about all these, um, uh, you know, Scooby-Doo monster villains and everything like that. Um, but then one tiny moment at the very end of the movie was with Patrick and uh, Wickles where they like hugged. And I was like, wait, maybe maybe they're related in some weird way because like because that would even kind of be stronger in the sense of like Wickles was the very first villain that, that the gang ever defeated. And so, yeah, he would have more stronger ties to that kind of area and, and really want to invest in learning about the Scooby gang and everything like that, especially because we've learned that Wickles has, uh, you know, he's trying to live a better life. So it's not like there's anything, um, you know, obviously he has stuff against the Scooby gang, yeah. but you know, um, who doesn't? But yeah, <laughs> who doesn't? But yeah, I just thought that was I. I it felt like his character needed more explanation as to what he was doing all the time. Like he was just kind of around, and he was shouty and yelly and mean, and like always <laughs> popping up in like the weirdest locations. And it's just, and he was. I think I think the movie was going to explain it all, and then Velma was like. No, I trust you. Yep. And that was their way of being like, all right, and plot thread closed. Ha, we tricked you into trusting us as writers. Oh, it's so meta. <laughs> uh, speaking of, I think one of my favorite uh, just existing, uh, I guess, sets or scenes is the, the Street Toughs bar. Um, I love how it's just like a villain's bar of all the people who the mystery gang has unmasked because apparently either the mystery team 
is uh, really good at their jobs. Um, and they've just amassed that entire bar's worth of people. Um, mm-hmm. Or um, we have just in Coolsville, they're just really bad dumb criminals who are always just like okay great so you know how these people dress up in these monster masks great what if we did the same thing uh-huh. that's it oh okay okay cool. let's yeah. sounds go good. and the teenagers defeat us again well so i will say i do think that it is Ha- like almost, I don't know, half and half, but for sure, I don't think it's a hundred percent all previous criminals because of the fact that like Shaggy and Scooby showed up as like people who were inspired by the the past crimes, and like that didn't strike anyone as weird. They were just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I do think that there's just like a community of people who are like, yeah, these these like theatrical villains are like really cool. Let's like, let's hang around them and maybe do the same thing that, you know, no, none of them have gotten away with, but that just means we're due and someone (laughs) will do it. And I think that could be us. Well, the fact that you bring up theatrics is really great because that really does hold up with that. The multiple dance numbers that happen. Like, okay guys, like we rehearsed when there's a lull in conversation, we'll start up this big number. That's right. The music in this, I always think I always thought that the music in the Scooby Doo franchise is really important. Um, it's always it always made up big parts of the episode of like chase scenes and even just like as you were talking earlier, certain just background music for like a pup named Scooby Doo is so iconically catchy and stands out. Like the music of Scooby Doo is is so important, and this was. Like they had like a, a a bit where Shaggy turned on a record player and it was, I like big butts and I cannot mm-hmm. lie. And then there was another bit where Fred was jousting with the Dark Knight ghost and it was like, and I'm wanted, dead or alive. And it's like, I why would you go with these instead of like doing some? I don't know. It's it just it didn't strike me as well as as the as the TV shows did. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean those those scores are so iconic, and they 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 let you know what's happening. Just like anytime they have the doom doom doom, you're just like, oh okay. Yeah, it's like it's such good investigating music. Yeah. Like, and that's what the teams do. And like, and. and Obviously, there was some original score thrown in here for sure, but they really banked on existing songs, existing IPs for like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How else are you going to get the kids in the theaters? How else? You got to get Ruben Stutter. <laughs> the kids love Ruben Stutter. Oh, man. When that happened at the end, my wife said, oh. I see you, Freddie Prince Jr., and I raise you, Ruben Studdard. Oh, and that's how you incredible. win. Early 2000s Blackjack Kids. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it so much, and I love this movie, and I have so many different thoughts. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about as we're wrapping up? Oh, man. It, this movie just makes me long for the days of scooby-doo i think the thing that i love the most about scooby-doo is that like you felt like you were a part of the gang because you have the same information that they have 
I think that that's always mm-hmm. a fun starting point, and that what's make that's what makes this movie uh, really strong is that like, hey, like, like the gang has unmasked all these different peoples, and like we know the mystery, like we know what it's gonna do. It's gonna be this guy, but then you're like, oh wait, no, it it. It could be this guy. And then even like the gang is stumped and you're stumped and it's just a good time because it's uh, it makes you feel smarter than you really are. Exactly. And there's so many twists and turns and like uh, like the villain is is very smart. I feel like we didn't even talk about him, her a lot, but that's OK, everyone. If I didn't talk about your favorite part of this movie, I have a feeling I'll be talking about it a lot <laughs> at some point. Um, but yeah, like they're from all the little editing details of like once we're introduced uh to the reporter lady again i'll memorize their names as we go on um but as as soon as we're introduced to her as a potential villain it immediately cuts to like old man wickles in the crowd and as as, like creepy old man so it's like oh okay now we have a new person to focus on and then after the first attack there's like um the she's already on the scene trying to be like, do you know the identity of the masked man? So it's like, Oh, okay. I get it. And then of course there's like the big kind of twists or not twists, but like, uh, you know, wrench in the plan where it's like, and then Ned is, and also another one of my favorite jokes was when Freddie tried to unmask Ned. Yes. It was so perfectly done. Comedic, comedic timing on point, And Ned was secretly, <laughs> Ow. Ned. <laughs> oh man. That no, that was oh. that was just great. It's so good. I could gush about this movie for approximately 30 more days. I think so you should. That'll be Yeah, you think yeah. so? I think that would be a fun time. <laughs> uh Ricky, thank you so much for being on the inaugural episode yeah. of this uh podcast. I had so much fun, and yes, I where can people find you for other fun things that you say with your voice? Uh, you can uh, follow the Flashback Flicks Twitter at Flashback Flicks, or you can follow my Twitter account at Stu Dippin, S-T-E-W-D-I-P-P-I-N. Uh, that's how you spell words. And uh, yeah, I, I tweet uh, a lot less than I do or had before because I have a baby now, so... Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so when I'm able to tweet things, it's usually there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also, I would highly recommend uh, everyone else, if you have spare time, go back and listen to the episode we did about the first Scooby-Doo movie to hear more of my thoughts from there. I'm sure I said things that I will undoubtedly repeat, <laughs> and I already have, but it's a good time anyway. And we go into all sorts of fun uh, theories and, and ideas. And it's a good time all around. Go check it out. Flashback flicks. It's a good old time. Um, and hey, if this is your first episode, which it probably is to most of you, if not all of you, um, then thanks for listening. You can uh, subscribe to this podcast wherever I put RSS feeds. Again, I haven't really decided on any of this stuff yet. Future episodes, I'll have more details. But subscribe, leave leave a review, and also let me know if you're participating. And I've already gotten a couple tweets from people uh, who are wanting to play along, wanting to watch along. So you can find my Twitter at Scott Nicewander. Uh, go check it out. Um, and uh, yeah, tweet me your thoughts. Uh, let me know if there's any specific part of the movie that you want uh, me to talk about. Suggest guests. Ricky, 
if you have friends, I have to fill up 31 days <laughs> of guests. I have maybe 12. So if you have friends who want to get it on board with this, I, I'm already meeting people for the first time recording oh, this nice. podcast. So that'll be fun. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy and excited about that. Um, and also very nervous because I don't, they could be horrible people. Who knows? Um, benefit of the doubt. But yeah, uh, my ultimate goal to everyone out there, and I'll say this probably at the end of every episode, my ultimate goal is to get anybody, literally anybody who worked on this movie on the podcast. It could be, it could be one of the actors. It could be the person who did all the costume design. Please, thank you. I want to pick your brain. You're great. It could be the person who did the song selection that we kind of harped on a little bit. Or anyone, if you, literally anyone. If you just got coffee for like people around, <laughs> please tell me what your experience was like in that. Come on board. I want anyone who worked on the movie. Doesn't matter who. That's the ultimate goal. But either way, thank you guys so much for listening. And, uh... I, I don't have a way to end this bit, so goodbye. <laughs> I'll think of a strong ending at some point. I think I think a, a, I mean, you can always just end with a Scooby Doo. What if we did? What if I did just try to get all of my guests to do a Scooby Dooby Doo in the very end? Yes. Do you want to try oh, it with absolutely. me, Ricky? Will you join me in a, a grand old s- shout of Scooby Dooby Doo? Oh, yes. All right, here we go. Scooby Dooby Doo! So that was seriously a ton of fun, and I again want to recommend you listen to the rest of Scott's podcast at scoobypodcast.com. Give Scott a ton of love because he's going to need it. He's watching the same movie over and over again. So send him some love. Give his podcast a rating and review. They already have more reviews than us. So. You know, I'm not jealous or anything, but seriously, go check out Scott. Give him some love and be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind.